Going on 14. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 151 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joe. And I'm Josh, and I'd just like to pour out a few drops of Ecto Cooler for all those we lost during the third reconciliation of the last of the McEttrick supplicants. Rest <laughs> in peace, Shibs and Zools. <laughs> wow. I won't. These ships and souls learned what it was like to suffer in the bowels of the, <laughs> of the slower that day, I can that tell day, you. I assure you. <laughs> Ecto cooler cocktail. Yeah, yeah, but at least they, they weren't killed by a giant moving torb. That's no gangster way to go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I found, I found a recipe for an ecto cooler cocktail. It says port- ecto cooler's coming back, too. It is. It is out. It is back, and it's. Pour, it's basically pour tequila in the ecto cooler and shake. <laughs> I <laughs> like to drink. Just shake uncontrollably because that's a terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> yes, if you haven't figured it out, we are doing the Ghostbusters show. Yes, that iconic movie from our youth <laughs> that we've already Ooh, talked about drinks. twice. <laughs> I know <laughs> that we found drink a re- so much. I'm seeing ghosts. Mm. That's not ghosts. You're just shaking because of the sugar and seeing a blur. <laughs> All right. Well, if uh, you're seeing a blur, I know of a good <laughs> cure for that. You guys left me nothing this week. <laughs> clean your glasses. <laughs> oh, yeah, clean your glasses. And then navigate over to the Podcast Collective. What's that? Oh, that's a great network that has us, plus the Bad Parenting Podcast, On the Block, No Hope for Humanity, The Coffin Joe Cast, Joel's own Sunshine Happy Pants Hour, Dating Baggage, The Internet with Scott the Pool Boy, I Am Salt Lake, Mint Inbox Cast, Tales from the Hard Side, The Dog and Do Show, and The Rad Dad Radio Hour. No, I meant what's a podcast? <laughs> what's a battle? <laughs> what's a diorama? I still have not w- listened to Scott the Pool Boy. I need to. But if you're not listening to Scott the Pool Boy and want to, you can find his shows and ours on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe. And if you like to communicate with us, it doesn't involve a Ouija board. All you have to do is call 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. It might involve a Ouija board. It could involve a Ouija board. I've got a Ouija board wired up to the Twitter. Where you can reach us at 40go14. Called Tweegee. Tweegee. A Tweegee board? Stay away from Captain Howdy. <laughs> but we do have listener feedback. Yes, we do. From somebody named Randy. Haven't heard from him in a while. Gentlemen, hello. This is Randy in Cincinnati. Just sitting here listening to your uh, birthday show. And I just got to say, damn you, Joel. Damn you. You got to start talking about showbiz pizza place and the rock of fire explosion. And no, I did not know there was a documentary about it, but now I'm going to sit and have to spend an hour and whatever of my time watching this because I just watched the trailer and now I'm really intrigued. Damn you. I've kind of forgotten all about that band. But thanks. That's all. See you. Bye. That's played the piano. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) I'm always glad to hear from Randy. It's been a while. Yeah. And you know who else? You're welcome. We want to hear. From a one Mr. Schollenberger. You're like- yeah, he uh, reaches out to us fairly frequently on the uh, uh, Facebook page. Yeah. You know, I honestly don't believe you exist. So, until I hear a voice. It's you- a bot. 
spot. You could be you could be a turtle dressed as a bunny working a computer. Aren't that we? makes sense. That's what that's what everything points to at least. <laughs> I like turtles. <laughs> turtles. <laughs> hey, is it oh, about that uh, time? Oh god, is it ever about that time? <laughs> this weekend music. Movies. <laughs> and TV. And sports. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mike sneaks out the Josh Dubstep remix Heck yeah. this weekend. Oh, it sounded more it. ominous. We have ghost, ghosts and going on, so I figured that would be... Movies. <laughs> <laughs> I love how every time it's played, I can hear you giggling before it even comes up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... We are going with June 8th, 1984, the release of the original Ghostbusters movie. 84, which actually was an amazing uh, year for movies. So in music, Cindy Lauper's Time After Time is the number one song in the land. Taking over Phil Collins, A-A-O-T-A-L-A-M-N. Jesus. That is the That's acronym a- of the week. Yeah, and thank you for that. That's, of course, the <laughs> iconic Amazing Anal Otter, Tales Across Louisiana, and My Nuts. <laughs> uh, which I would prefer over the actual song. Uh, yeah. That's very close, though. It's almost almost exactly right. No, it's against all odds. Take a look at me now, wow. Now, wow. Oh, do I still have that sound bite somewhere? <laughs> it's not Take a Look at My Nuts? It's no, it's not. <laughs> Take a look at my nuts. Now, wow, now, wow. <laughs> oh, I don't know where it is. Anyway, I don't have, I, I'm too lost to find it. So anyway, the now wow song was kicked out of place by time after time. City Lopper actually really—that's a really good song. I yeah. love Time After Time. I like the cover. Like that is one song of Cindy Lopper's. Probably oh. the only one that I'd willingly do karaoke. Really? Yeah, Who's karaoke? absolutely. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's a good song. I like that song. Cool. Uh, movies released this week include Top hey, Secret. You skipped something. What did I skip? Oh. oh. Uh, Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA was released this week. Such a great album. I still don't like Bruce Springsteen. So misinterpreted, this album, in that song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ronald Reagan using it as his campaign song was hysterical. It's like people who use the U2 song one as their wedding song. That I right. friggin' ridiculous. I, I'm thinking that Born in the USA may have been the first modern, like not from the 60s or another time before I was born, full album that wasn't a soundtrack that I constantly listen to from beginning to end. Hmm. I think Bruce Springsteen sounds like he's been gargling gasoline. I really don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of those, you know, for me, that like I, I that his songs I either love him or I hate him. Yeah. I'm very, kind of I'm very polarized taste. on him. So. Yeah, and you know, as much as I like him, I actually feel the same. Like, I don't like Streets of Philadelphia at all. Yeah. See, and I love that song. So, uh, well, movie. And, really and what's the other one? Um, the, on. the other really bad song, he, Hey Little Girl, Is Your Daddy Home? I'm on Fire. Oh, I'm on yeah. Fire? Yeah. yeah, that song is awful. That's not his, one of his best. All right, so. Movies. Wait, what did you say? We're on fire. <laughs> Movies released this week include Top Secret, Ghostbusters, Gremlins, Streets of Fire, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, and Ghostbusters, of course, takes his top spot. That is a Streets great... of Fire. 
That's <laughs> don't you be knocking Streets of Fire. That's actually a really good movie. Yep. I have it on DVD. Great soundtrack too. Yeah, it actually is. It's got a lot of good music in there. It's called well, it's like it's one of the things they push in it was what they call like a rock and roll fable or something like that. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. But uh no, it's got the dude from um uh the the, oh, the final countdown, the movie where the the airship. It's got Europe. Yes, it has Europe. <laughs> You're right. That's it. No, with the air, with the aircraft the entire carrier. Band plays the one lead. <laughs> yeah, it's got the uh, with the airship carrier. The uh, the the carrier goes back in time. The Manhattan Project. I don't Philadelphia think I've seen Experiment. It. Yeah, Philadelphia Experiment. Yeah, experience. yeah, that's it. That's got experience. that experience. <laughs> yeah, the streets of Philadelphia experience. <laughs> it all oh. comes back to the boss, St- starring Bruce Springsteen. I don't think Tony I want to have Danza. that experience. <laughs> All right, so June 9th, Donald Duck and Clarence Nash, the original voice of Donald Duck, lead in a, lead a ticker tape parade through Disneyland, celebrating 50 years since Donald Duck's film debut in A Wise Little Hen. Just goes to show you, you can go far in life, even if you're not wearing pants. Aw, <laughs> oh, and I've been doing it all this time? Every, everybody said a pantsless duck couldn't take over the world where they were wrong. Nobody said that. <laughs> Actually, Pat just did. It's because I'd been saying the opposite. In fact, <laughs> everyone looking up for all the pantsless ducks. Everyone flee! The pantsless ducks are coming. They're going to take over the world. <laughs> you are in the vanguard of the anti-pantless ducks. <laughs> uh, so uh, Ned Glass, he's a Polish-born American actor. Uh, who appeared in more than 80 films and on television more than 100 times, frequently playing nervous, cowardly, or deceitful characters, short and bald, and a slight hunch to his shoulders. He was immediately recognizable by his distinct appearance, his nasally voice, and pronounced New York City accent. He sniveled his last on June 15th. Now, I there's got to oh, be... Oh, yeah. He's one of these guys where when you Google him, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's got one of those faces. He's a, he's a hey, it's him. Or, hey, it's that guy. It's like he's always a cab driver or selling newspapers. Yep. Uh, oh, he was on the monkeys. He was freaking everywhere. Well, yeah, when very you... prolific. He was, he, he's kind of like, like uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know, of, of our generation. Mm. He was just in everything. Also, or a, no, no, I would say more like a Stephen Tobolewski. Um, and also in movies, I tossed in there that Arnold Schwarzenegger's birthday is this coming Saturday. Who's that? No idea. I was just something I saw on the. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm just what? Hmm? Hmm? What? No, I don't know. I have no opinion. I didn't hear anything. Hmm. The prisoner? Uh, what? I don't need. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Speaking of TV, Dynasty, Dallas, and the Cosby Show are the top shows right now. Uh, Brothers premieres on Showtime, and Scrabble premieres on NBC, and the show Lottery ends its run. What was Brothers about? Don't, don't. I, I honestly, and this is not sarcasm, I think it was the sister show to, to Sisters. Like, Sisters was a really popular, like, uh, little drama about a bunch of sisters, and so they decided to start Brothers, and it didn't do quite as well. Kind of like the 80s show didn't do as well as the 70s show. Um, hmm. Yeah, 1984 is an American sitcom. I'm looking at it. Yeah, it does not look interesting at all. Yeah, because yeah, it's Brothers, just those guys sitting around watching TV. <laughs> So, uh, about porn. <laughs> so Philip Van Dyke, voice actor who plays Arnold from Hey Arnold, 
was born June 13th. I've never seen that show. Neither have I. His head freaks me out. Well, yeah, you have two daughter, two daughters, so I don't imagine they would be into that. It's well, kind I'm, of a boy show, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. A little bit, yeah. His head I mean, I've seen a couple episodes. It's fine. I don't like his head, but yet I have no issue with Stewie. <laughs> so, but sports. On June 4th, Arnold Palmer fails to make the cut uh, for the U.S. Open for the first time in 32 years. He that was, was pretty, pretty huge. He was quoted as saying, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bill Vos was an English... Fu- like, he's quoted as saying, fuck you guys, I'm still Arnold Palmer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am golf. Do you have a drink? <laughs> you don't have a drink. I got a drink. Uh, Bill Vos, V-O-C-E, Vos, I'm going to go with Vos. Bill Vos was an English cricketer known mostly as one of the key players in the Bodie Line series. Bodie Line. No, I think it's Bodie Line. <laughs> okay. How do you no, know it's Bodie Line? How do you know See? it's Bodie Line? It's British. It could be, it could I'm be. I'm assuming it's Bodie Line because that's. The way it's, you know, it, yeah, the way it's written. Yeah. But it's British, so it could be like pronounced <laughs> luxury yacht. <laughs> what? So. Vos and two other English captains, Douglas Jardine and Arthur Carr, came up with a tactic originally to defeat the Australians. Bowling fast, rising balls into the batsmen bodies. <laughs> what the fuck did I just say? <laughs> <laughs> with several catching fielders on the leg side. Over the years, this modified form caused severe problems for opposing batsmen, with Vos inflicting several bruising injuries. The Australian media dubbed this tactic... The Bodie line. It's got to be Bodie line. That's what I, I was saying. Just because they were actually throwing okay. the cricket. This is totally. Uh, these guys invented the bean ball in cricket. Pretty much, yeah. Throwing the ball at the bodies of the guy. The okay. they can't hit it if you're if it's right at their ankles. It's I will. Right. I will. Re- I'll retake that. I will just say it's the body line, but I still stick with my original statement that it could have been Bodie line at the beginning. Fair enough. <laughs> and this resulted in sever- severe ill feeling between the cricket teams and the countries. Vos took, oh, here it comes, 123 wickets for 19.29 each in 1931, and 136 for 16.87 each in 1932. Bill Vos assumed room temperature on June 8th. <laughs> Yikes. I wasn't expecting the death. So this was like a big scandal. In yeah. cricket, and it sounds like catching uh, fielders on the leg side. This could like have broken ankles or shins. Well, and and the, a cricket ball is quite heavy and dense. You yeah, I was going to say beanballing somebody's bad enough. Beanballing someone with a cricket ball, you got to be a special kind of bastard. And he was one of the engineers behind it. Yeah. Let's see. What if we threw it at them? I mean, I can't completely claim that this sort of tactic in sports is beyond me. Because when I played varsity tennis in uh, high school, I did specialize in realizing if I could bounce the ball off the cutoff man's head and it goes out of bounds, it's my point. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't you also, weren't you the one that told me that you perfected... uh It's harder to hit the ball when it's it's aimed right at you, so you were always trying to hit them in the chest with the ball? (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but it's a tennis ball. It's not a cricket ball. <laughs> well, I'm reading about cricket balls. Those suckers are, let's see, men and boys, maximum weight, 
5.34 ounces. I mean, that's not super heavy, but still, you take that to the knee. It also yeah. depends on what it's made of. If it's made of rubber, it's not that bad. But if it's made, you know, if it's got like a hollow core, or if it doesn't have a hollow core, you know, if it's like a baseball, it's it's versus cor- a tennis ball. No, it's it's cork and leather. Yeah, I'm thinking that so could that's be like some a baseball. Damage. Yeah, that's a it's like a baseball. Yeah. Okay, that would hurt. All right. So also on June 9th, Jürgen Hingsen. Yeah, of, I think you nailed that one. Of West Me Germany too. sets the points record for decathlon. 8,798 points, which is still the German record. At huh. the 38th NBA championship, the Boston Celtics beat the LA Lakers four games to three on June 10th. Now, Celtics or Celtics? What, do you, what are we supposed Celtics. to say? Celtics. Celtics, if you're talking NBA, absolutely. Okay, good. There we go. This weekend, with twice the death as normal this weekend. <laughs> I just see this guy like, what if we threw the ball? At them. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's crazy, but it just might work. <laughs> Can't dodge a wrench. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, Ghostbusters. Um, it, it's just the thing. It's interesting because as much as we've talked about Ghostbusters on the show, because at first it was in context... Uh, of Sigourney Weaver, and then later in the context of Bill Murray, we've actually never broken down the whole cast, the basic plot, and the trivia before. Right. We have not talked specifically. I mean, we've talked about how much we loved it. I think this is one of those that all of us are thumbs up on for the, for the then. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know. We'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to have words. Um, <laughs> so uh, then, Ghostbusters with no gorilla. What is that? I don't get that. There was originally, there was a TV show in 1974 that starred a couple of the guys from F Troop that was called Ghostbusters. It was two separate words and was, it was a cartoon also, but it was two guys in a jalopy with a gorilla that was wearing a beanie propeller hat that chased down ghosts. You guys, you talked about this before because you sent that picture through and you mind. Yeah. And, uh, when I first tried to rent Ghostbusters, on uh, videotape, my mom grabbed that Ghostbusters from the video store. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost as bad as RoboCop. <laughs> yeah. It's a classic mom gaffe. <laughs> Just like, Mom, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> but it says Ghostbusters, honey. Yeah. Yeah, to her defense, you know. It did say Ghostbusters. <laughs> now go play some math. And I did watch it. <laughs> I watched it. So... No, our Ghostbusters. The Ghostbusters, directed by Ivan Reitman, uh, known for, God, what is he known for? Everything. Animal House, Meatballs, Stripes, Heavy Metal, Legal Eagles, Twins, Kindergarten Cop. I think I know who's in that. Um, something called. Danny DeVito, I think. <laughs> uh, ooh, Evolution. I remember watching that. So, but it does, uh, just good. a gazillion movies. Um, and not all of them great, but most of them fun. Mm-hmm. And definitely a lot of them iconic. Yes. And a lot of them that we're going either already have or will be returning to, like, for the show. Like, next year, he's doing Baywatch. I know. And that looks, his giant teeth. That looks ridiculous. I mean, I, I totally want to see it, though. Uh, this is also written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, the late, great Harold Ramis, uh, starring Bill Murray as one Peter Venkman, Dan Aykroyd as Raymond Ray Stance, Harold Ramis as Egon Spengler, 
Ernie Hudson as Winston Zedmore, Annie Potts as Janine Melnitz, Sigourney Weaver as Dana Barrett, Rick Moranis wow. as Lewis Tully, and William Atherton as Walter Peck. Oh, this and, man and has what, no dick. <laughs> David Margulis is the uh, the mayor of New York City, and Slavaza Jovan as Gozer. And and honestly, that is that is a hell of a cast. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that's. I was I was actually talking about the comparison between because I went and saw it last and saw the new one last night, and we were talking about it's like you you cannot do an apples to apples comparison between this one and the new one. No, I mean that's what's going to be difficult when we get to the second half of the show. Is there's so much built up, both in terms of people comparing it to this original juggernaut. And also, like, it's gotten to the point where people are so furious on both sides, it almost seems like your opinion of the new Ghostbusters feels like you're picking a side in a fight. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we want to do here. Right. So, so let's get some trivia. Well, whatever side we, we pick is going to be right anyway. So. Right. <laughs> so, uh, trivia. Aykroyd conceived the film as a project for himself and John Belushi, um, with the Ghost Mashers traveling through time and space with magic wands. Uh, he and Ramis dra- uh, dr- dramatically rewrote the script after John Belushi died, and uh, Ivan Reitman deed Aykroyd's initial vision financially impractical. I would love to see John Belushi time-traveling. Time with a magic <laughs> wand? With anything, I don't care. penis. What? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing? Nothing at all. Uh, so the film launched the Ghostbusters media franchise, which uh, had a 1989 sequel, Ghostbusters 2, two animated television series, The Real Ghostbusters and Extreme Ghostbusters, and several video games that have come out also. Um, as well as a lot of toys. Yeah, oh man, my the uh, Ghostbusters headquarters is still sitting in my parents' basement. <gasps> you have the firehouse? Yeah. <gasps> oh my god, we had, are you kidding? <laughs> Wait, we'll, we'll, when we talk about, we'll talk about this. I think this. Joel needs a cigarette. Yeah, I think so. So uh, almost none of the scenes in this movie were filmed as scripted. In fact, almost all the scenes had at least one or two ad-libs. Uh, most of Bill Murray was ad-libbed. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah, no Luke, surprise. Go figure. Because yeah, you figure at this point they must have been like, you know, Bill, you get the idea, just say something. We'll do. I don't know how to do Bill Murray. Sorry. What <laughs> the hell was that? That was Vinny Barbarino. <laughs> hey, get over here. I got some busting some ghosts. Wow. I don't know. It just came out. <laughs> we have to set aside some time for you to practice these. We can't just like pop that out on the people. That's terrible. Uh, <laughs> so director Ivan Reitman provides the voices of Zool and Slimer. Uh, Roger Grimsby, Ron Jeremy, Casey Kasem, Larry King, Joe Franklin, and Bill Walton all make cameo appearances. Plus a young Debbie Gibson appears as an uncredited extra. Oh, yep. And in the it says in the deleted scene, Kim Herrin, Kim Herrin plays a ghost woman in a dream, and I don't think that that was in there. I definitely recall watching that. Uh, it's on the DVD. Yeah, it's on the DVD. Oh. Not not in the in the actual theatrical cut. Oh, okay. Because I yeah, remember that's the ghost blowjob. Okay, yeah, because it took oh, me a couple yeah. years. Eighty four, I saw that, and like eighty six, I'm like. Oh, that's what was going on. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I was watching that. And I was like, I don't think I got this when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, I didn't remember that either. 
But it, I'd, I'd never seen it before until to, you know today when I was watching it. And I'm not entirely sure at the time Slavica Javan even spoke English or very well. No. Because she was a model from Serbia, and uh, she's still getting work. Uh, last year, she was in uh, Night of Cups. Yep. And she was in uh, 1999's House at a Haunted Hill before that, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, she, um, I don't believe she did speak much English, but damn, she wore a pair of heels. <laughs> <laughs> On her feet. Nimble well, little minx, isn't she? Something I didn't really realize until I had seen some several interviews on the special edition that uh, Dan Aykroyd's family was uh, consisted of a lot of spiritualists and mediums. And so when he was growing up, he was surrounded by it. And that's kind of where he came up with the concept was because that's always been part of his life. I mean, he's written books about all kinds of crazy stuff. Oh, yeah. Yep. So he is well known as being a believer in you know the supernatural and... Also, Aliens. the producer of the wonderful Skullhead Vodka. <clears throat> it's true. I still so, want to buy one of those. I haven't done so yet. You should I mean, wait, wait for Christmas when they when they make them that comes with the little Skullhead uh, shot glasses. Really? Yeah. Um, I definitely will do that. So here's a question for you guys. When was the first time you saw Ghostbusters? Oh. The opening weekend. Man. My par- I remember I went with my parents because my dad wanted to see it. <sighs> yeah. Did I I'm, see it in the theaters? I'm sure I didn't, because I, I finally got to see it after I'd seen the Ghostbusters with the monkey. <laughs> <laughs> you saw them yeah. in reverse order? Yeah. yeah. If you see the monkey one first, you're totally not going to get it. Uh, <laughs> I, it really I, sets up the expectation for the next time you see the real movie. Right. You're I, watching this one. You're like, where's the monkey? I, um, I think I'm with Josh and Joel in this one. I saw it on VHS. I, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, I remember seeing it, but I just don't remember if it was on the big screen or not. And, you know, it's kind of funny, but I think the gorilla from Ghostbusters went on to join uh, the Rocket Fire Explosion. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. He played the piano. Who <laughs> played piano, damn it. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I, I think I did see it in the theater just because I, I have this really strong recollection of that scene where he does the little, like – dancing when he's like walking and he kind of kicks his foot out oh out in the out in the fountain square yeah i have yeah. a really distinct remembrance of seeing that on the big screen for some reason um, uh i saw ghostbusters may 19th 1986 how do you know the date because we rented it for my sister's birthday party oh, oh. yep rented it dubbed that sucker just like every other thing <laughs> <laughs> but daddy why are we buying two vhs's um watched it we and yeah i think we did the same for ghostbusters because i remember the first vhs we could not successfully dub hmm. it was a teen wolf was the first one we encountered that had the uh protection <laughs> oh. to make it all staticky yeah, yep. no the v8 <laughs> the player was just like come on why <laughs> <laughs> it's like teen really? wolf really He's like, oh, this is where i draw the line i'm done <laughs> this is what you're gonna do jesus Here's, Do you have any idea what technology this is and you're ruining it with this? So, yeah. So, we, we saw it for her birthday party and I was I was immediately smitten with it. Not as much as my brother was, though. <laughs> oh, boy. Who insisted for probably about a year and a half that we call him Dr. Venkman. But there was no robots in it. No robots, no Robocops, but he was... And the thing was, we watched this, we watched this so many times that I probably could recite... It'd take me a little bit now because it's been such a while, but we watched it easily... Once a day for two years. 
we wore out a tape. We had to redub it. Wow. And the thing was, we he could watch the whole movie, had no problem with the dogs, had no problem with Gozer, no problem with any of the other ghosts, just that librarian ghost at the beginning. We had to fast forward past that, and then we could start watching it. Who, the one who's Silas? Yeah. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, when they're like, get her! And she goes, on that thing. He could not yeah. handle that. So we had to fast forward past that. He, <laughs> we would go to the grocery store with him wearing his little proton pack. Aww. <laughs> you know? It so was, he wasn't a fan of Large Marge either, huh? No, I don't know if he ever saw that. I don't think he still hasn't seen that. But <gasps> I don't Matthew. <gasps> anyway. But, uh, but yeah, so we watched this so many times. And, I mean, it easily... If we had a drinking game where you have to match up the lines, I probably would kick all of your asses. That's how many times I have seen this movie. <laughs> and I, I'd watch it again without without missing a beat. You want to watch Ghostbusters? Hell yeah. Anytime, anywhere. Oh, show. <laughs> so how about I don't you guys? Like uncomfortable silences. <laughs> what's, what's your first uh, take on these? Don't all speak at once now. <laughs> Like when we were kids, like the first yeah, time we saw yeah, it. Yeah, when you were kids. Come on, did you did you dress up as Venkman or something, Joel? Did you dress up as Dana? There isn't <laughs> no Dana, only Zool. No, I didn't. I didn't have. Surprisingly, I had none of the toys. I had none of the like. I didn't have a, a, a flight suit. I didn't have the proton pack. Oh. I think I had a coloring book at one point, and um, I have watched it on TV all the time. And I and um, I've. <laughs> The cartoon and the the movie. He didn't have a coloring book. He had a blank book, and they just told him it was full of ghosts. <laughs> There's no pictures in this coloring book. They're all ghosts. How did you know that? <laughs> How could you? No, come on. But it was always one of my favorites as a kid. Like anytime it would be on, I would I would have to watch it. Uh, just something about it just speaks to that that kidness. Where you know, if you're afraid of ghosts, or you're afraid of that. Here's your chance to. Not only it's a funny movie, but you can capture them and and you don't have to be scared anymore so i can distinctly remember trying over and over again to draw the ghostbusters logo it's not easy i try to draw it especially from memory and it always looked so bad and it didn't even look that much better when i had reference which usually my reference for that would have been the cereal box because i regularly ate ghostbusters cereal the little marshmallow ghosts oh yeah oh yeah that was my jam back then i don't think i've ever had that what it's kind of like, i don't think i've ever had that it's <laughs> it's kind of like the nintendo cereal except with marshmallows in fact this may have been the 1980s branded cereal that i ate the most it's either this or the nerd cereal oh my god nerd cereal i just got my, my teeth hurt you just mentioning that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um pat did you, you saw it at the theater so, yeah, this is actually one of my family's uh, favorite movies. We used to quote it all the time. Um, like, saw it in the theater. Saw it, you know, had it on DVD, watched it or on VHS, and watched it a lot. Um, caught it every time it was on TV. You know, if it was on one of those things, like if if Dad was flipping channels and it was on, we'd watch it. So yeah, we knew it very well, and not not quite as well as Mike, I'm sure. I mean, because we didn't watch it that much. It was maybe like a like a once or twice a year thing. But, you know, I used to like do a, an impersonation of the gatekeeper that used to make my, or, or the, the key master, you know, uh, Rick Moranis's character when he was, you know, that would make my favorite laugh. Do it. Do it. No. Do it. 
do it. <laughs> I don't know if I can do it anymore. I, it, I didn't it bring it up okay. to get talked into doing it. Look I would at the bright side. It can only be better than Joel's uh, Vinkman. <laughs> oh, God. It's no big deal. <laughs> I got to remember the lines now. I, uh, I, I, oh, the landlord's really going to be pissed. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember how to do it. Damn it. No. It was definitely it's better. Somebody, Alan? <laughs> hey, you brought the dog. Yeah, I, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> And we're gonna do a little break dancing. And <laughs> that, see that that's the thing is this is like such a perfect storm of characters. I mean, this is this. I, th- I think if I remember correctly, Sigourney Weaver took a huge leap of faith in being involved in this one because she was not was it this was post Alien, but not Aliens. I don't think. Well, yeah, and with the exception of Ernie Hudson, I mean, you've got the. Dream team of Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Harold Ramis, who'd worked together so much. Mm-hmm. And this was just what they'd been doing, but on a bigger scale with some special effects, higher concept. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's part of the thing. It's like, I mean, how do you compare the, how can you possibly compare these guys who have been on stage together forever, have written stuff for each other, have worked with each other for so long that they know each other's tells, they know when the other one's setting up a joke. You know, you can't, you can't really expect the same magic on a remake from this. Well, I mean, it, it, it's kind of comes from the same base of Saturday Night Live, where you know they, that's where they learn their their improv chops. Both, you know, both groups. But yeah. the difference is, these guys were filming this movie after they were pretty much had been done with Saturday Night Live, and they had already been polished, and they've already got all the bumps and bruises out of the way. Hmm. Whereas the, the other big group, time careers. Yeah, the other group, you know, they're all, you know, most of them are starting out. Yeah. Annie Potts, hot or not? Hot. 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 Good. Wait, Joel? What? <laughs> Jesus. Annie no, Potts. No, I, I liked Annie Potts. No, I'm just kidding. Janine is hilarious in this one. I love her character. I mean, if I had to choose between her and Sigourney Weaver, though, I'm sorry, but Ooh. Sigourney's going to win. Who? For me, I think I'm going with Annie Potts. Yeah. It's the glasses. It's that attitude. Ghostbusters, what do you want? <laughs> Sigourney Weaver's got those legs, though. Hmm. Why do we have to choose? Why uh, can't we all just get along, man? All right, what Rick Moranis. Or Rick Moranis, yeah. <laughs> what about uh, Jennifer Runyon? Oh, Jennifer Runyon. She was uh, the uh, girl... Uh, was uh, Louis Tully's girlfriend in, during the party scene. No. Oh. No. Yeah. Oh, Casey Kasem's ex-wife? No. Is that not her? The tall that's, blonde? That's like the opposite of what I want. <laughs> oh, I You're thought you were the tall blonde, right? Yeah. yeah. It's Casey Kasem's ex-wife. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's weird. And she played um, Carla Tortelli's uh, ex-husband Nick's yes. new wife on Cheers. Oh, but the good news is she's still acting. In is fact, she? Yeah. Sure in fact, throat. this year she's going to be in uh, Bloodsucker Jones versus The Creeping Death. Oh, I heard that's up for an Academy Award. <laughs> Isn't he the that's brother to Knuckleface Jones? <laughs> <laughs> I think he is. <laughs> that's ridiculous, kids. Uh, <laughs> all right, favorite part of the movie. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. I know. As a kid, my favorite part was the dickless scene. Because <laughs> that cracked me up so much. I was like, ah, he said dickless. Um... <laughs> You know how many times I redid that? 
They, <laughs> they were just kind of like, hey, Bill, just come up with something funny every time. And they just kept filming it over and over again. They've got like two dozen different times of him saying it. Oh, I got to look that up. Um, what about now? Yeah, now. Hmm. It's still the dick part. <laughs> <laughs> it might still be the dick. Yeah. No. Um, you know. What? You know you. It is. I don't know. It might be. <laughs> I'm pretty Get back sure to me. Go around and I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. Get back I'm to pretty me. sure for me it's the banter right before they go fight Zul. Everything from, what did you do, Ray? To, <laughs> I, I got a pretty positive feeling about this. It's Miller time. Or, <laughs> if somebody asks you if you're a god, you say, you say yes. yes. I don't know. I think... For me, it's, it's that, it's that whole hallway sequence in the hotel when they go in and just when you're just kind of getting a feel for everything. Um, but from the point when they're in the elevator till the time <laughs> they're actually searching the floor, that whole sequence is just always gets me every time. What the hell are you? Some kind of cosmonaut? <laughs> You've got an unlicensed. No, what ex- is it? exterminator, sir. Somebody saw a cockroach up on 12. <laughs> <laughs> Must be a pretty big cockroach. Bite your, Bite your head off. <laughs> what does he say? He's, I've got an unlicensed thermonuclear a, a nuclear accelerator strapped to our back. <laughs> the blame... the other, yeah, they turn it on. And they all just step away. <laughs> right. I blame myself. So do I. <laughs> it's, and and that the sound. Thing, that's the thing is like there's so I mean, you know that uh, Bill Murray had m- so many ad libs in this or had how many times I um, mean, like that. Did he just in, inject something just because he knew it would be funny? You know, like the elevator scene. I'm sure he yeah. was. I'm pretty sure that So Do I was not originally written. <laughs> and how many times did they lose just good takes because he made somebody laugh? Yeah. I, right now, I think my one of my favorite parts has got to be when they're in prison. And all the prisoners are coming up and, like, creeping up on them, listening to them. And, and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Vang was like, are we all getting this? You know, something good, for goodness sake. Whoa, somebody's coming. <laughs> <laughs> so but no i like i mean it's just it's hard to pick a favorite scene because there there's so much great chemistry between all of them i think i know which one's my favorite now okay what do we got it'd be the opening scene with when he's uh testing the guy versus the girl and the guy even gets one right he's like oh no so close <laughs> <laughs> or when he zaps him and the gum pops out of his mouth <laughs> yeah. i didn't sign up for this well keeping the you can- you can keep yeah. your five dollars. <laughs> I plan to. Oh yeah, that's who Jennifer Runyon is. She's the chick from the beginning. Oh, okay. Oh. I thought she was Tully's girlfriend. Uh, ah. Okay, yeah, that's oh. a little different. Yeah. Well, whoever the girlfriend was at the party, that's Casey Kasem's ex-wife. And terrible. Why you got such a thing on her, man? I just don't. She just. I never liked her. Even when I watched Cheers, I just. She always made me angry when I saw her. And then he spits, I mean, what should you do, like, stab your dog or something? Shh. You need to see her, like, in an interview when she's not, like, being a character. See if it's just, like, her acting you hate or if it's her. Mm. I don't think I care. Not <laughs> not that much. Yeah, I, I could see that. No, did any of you or do any of you still, when you hear that sound, when they turn on the proton pack, just kind of get that fuzzy feeling inside? Oh, it's yeah. Just, it always excites me whenever it turns on. I'm like, they're about to zap some ghosts. I love it. The correct term is bust. They're about to bust some ghosts. Well, it's kind of like the sound of a lightsaber. You know, it's just this iconic sound that every time you hear it, it just yep. mm-hmm. takes yeah, you back to when you're line. 10. Yeah, the, the whirring. The, yep. the startup. Yeah. 
I and how, how many of us wanted to have a, a, a proton pack so we could go fight ghosts? Oh, hell yeah. Or the, uh, <laughs> just, just the library scene. Are you menstruating right now? <laughs> what has that got to do with anything? And there were some legitimately creepy parts. Like, uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it, I mean, Both. you've basically got this apartment building that has been infested by the spirit of the two heralds of the ancient Sumerian god, uh, Gozer the Traveler. Right. So they bust loose, and seeing that uh, Lewis Tully and Dana Barrett share corner, uh, corner apartments up there, they wind up getting possessed by the dogs, which, okay, so she's and- a dog. Yeah, the Ghostbusters get called in because the they've been studying the occult and parapsychology, and they get kicked out of their university appointments. They have to join the real world, the private sector. They go into business for themselves, and because of the increased paranormal activity surrounding the return of Gozer, they've actually encountered a whole bunch of new phantasms and developed the tech to trap them. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. one of the great jokes from early in the movie, you know, speaking of private sector, he's like, I'm, I've been in the private, private sector. They expect results. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I mean, that's just good stuff. And, uh, of course, you've got the uh, mid of the real villain, uh, Walter Peck, the uh, EPA guy. And from what I hear, now this may be just uh, legend, Rumors. but... Oh. Yeah, it might be rumors or legend, but apparently for several years after this movie, he was still getting shit for being Walter Peck. Is that he would he would be out wherever and people are like, hey, you're a dick. You know, <laughs> like this poor guy is still getting shit for playing this character because everybody, he was the, the foil to everybody who loved Ghostbusters so much. Well, he was also a foil in a lot of other movies. Like Die yeah, Hard. I mean, Die yeah. Hard, yeah. And Real Genius, who's oh, Jerry yeah. Hathaway. Yep. That's true. He was very good and well-known for playing the villain in the 80s. Yeah. He just had one of those personalities and faces that you just wanted to hit like that girl at the party. <laughs> Minus the hitting. You're just obsessed here, dude. <laughs> <You got> some- <laughs> <laughs> I had to go back. I'm sorry. Well, I thought you were just talking about a random girl at the party for a second. I was like, damn, where's this violence coming from? <laughs> <laughs> this is not the Joel we know. Aw. I've been possessed. So, we got anything else to say about this? How far we want to dig. I love this movie. I, I think that's easily that we all love this movie. I, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it now three times. It's kind of difficult uh, now to say much new about it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of where we're getting hung up, is that we've had so much time spent on it that it's like, well, what do we say now? Yeah. I just want to sit and quote it. <laughs> and then, and then is all, that's the other thing about this, too. It's such a quotable movie. You have so many lines in this movie that people can just pick up right after and just go with it. So, and can I just say that the character design behind the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is nothing short of brilliant? No, you can't say that. Okay, <laughs> I just did, but it, it's it's so iconic. I mean, I've got one sitting up on my shelf actually um, here at the house that uh, that and Slimer, of course, who transcended the movie far beyond anyone's expectations. Oh yeah, but I, I I remember the first time seeing the movie in the theater, and when he. When he says, 
I thought of the only person, the only thing I could think of, you know, that whole speech where, he, you know, and, you're, and it, the anticipation building, you're like, what's coming, what's coming? And when they they do the giant reveal of the character <laughs> and the name at the same time, I mean, when we saw this, the whole theater just went nuts. It just, I mean, the howling with laughter and just, you know, the appearance of this giant marshmallow man coming to kill them. I mean, it was such a well done scene. And then, and Especially then, with Rick, uh, sorry, uh, Dan yeah. Aykroyd talking about the character as you're cutting to him coming around the buildings. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and and Mur- Bill Murray, well, there's something you don't see every day. <laughs> it's- well, and, and the fact that it was all practical effects, and I mean, it just looks pretty phenomenal, all things considered, for the time and, and everything, too. Um, especially when he starts to get damaged and he starts to get crispy. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, with the exception of a couple of the scenes with the dog first appearing, like tearing up the party, the effects really did hold up. Oh yeah, they they. I mean, it's that's the thing about really good practical effects. I mean, you can have really just like you have really bad CGI and really awesome CGI. You know, you, back then, I mean, you've got the CGI. I mean, the the practical effects in this were just fantastic. I mean, and they they did a great job of making it look, you know, as real as possible. And they built a small, you know, they built like a six-foot-tall model of downtown New York to have him walk through, so. And remember that this was three years, never mind. Go ahead. Scratch that. No, no, no. No, no my math was going to be way off, so forget were you, it. Were you talking about Jurassic Park? Nope. No? I'm not, no, I'm done. Jurassic Park 2? <laughs> Although, I got to say that, that uh, Zool kind of loses something in the translation in modern day. Why? Uh, or not, not dual, Gozer. Gozer? Cool. Yeah, with the high heels and the... She looks very 80s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She looks like David Bowie. <laughs> or Pat Benatar. <laughs> if like, Pat Benatar and David Bowie had, had a, a child. kid, it would be Gozer, yeah. <laughs> it would be Gozer, there you go. Nice. All yeah, right. the, the fashion in this movie was definitely very 80s. But other than other than the fashion, it really does hold up very well. Cool. And, um, oh, here's another little trivia. Uh, the hand- oh, and the music. The music is pretty 80s. Oh, the Ghostbusters theme? Just know all the music in general. Like, throughout the whole movie, it's very 80s. The fashion and the music. Yeah, I'll give you that. There's a, there's a couple scenes where, like, they got this really bad, like, synth-pop studio musician music playing when they're, you know, doing cut scenes and stuff. And it stuck out a couple times. Well, what I going to say, Mike? Well, I was going to say it's kind of forgivable. I mean, you can't. I mean, I could, I could watch this now and not be like, "Oh my god, this is such an '80s movie." Whereas, you know, yeah, like, no, I'm, I'm just picking nits. Oh yeah. Um, I, I just wanted to throw something out there that I've, I've seen a lot of, um, or there was a lot of talk a while ago about Ernie Hudson feeling kind of like, you know, slighted and all this stuff. And it's interesting, you guys were talking about the the three main characters and how tied together they were and how they came up together and all this and how you know you've got Ernie Hudson who's kind of stuck in at the last minute but I've always felt like he's kind of like our voice like he's the everyman that comes in off the street and joins this group oh yeah so he's kind of like the audience he's he's our our gateway to the film in my opinion the Zedmore character yeah I can agree with that where he's he's the more uh reality grounded of the right. of the team He's he's just there for the job, and he doesn't necessarily believe in spirits or any of the other stuff. And um, he's seeing it all for the first time, and he doesn't know all the backstory. And so it kind of gives us a way to to, and it just adds that extra little flavor to it that I I think kind of 
makes the whole thing work. And his um, character originally had a, a huge backstory where he was like a a major war um, uh, hero and all this kind of stuff, and he was some kind of badass and all this. And they just cut it all out just to make him uh, just a, a, a nobody man with no real background of anything, any kind. Yeah, that would have really changed the whole thing, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, at least of- that way it would have made more sense that he was on the team. I mean, you know. It's, the way it is now, it's like he's just a guy that walked off the street, and they just okay. Well, here, let's strap a nuclear device to your back. Well, now, speaking of changing the whole thing, how different would this film have been if they'd gone with the original casting for Lewis Tully of John Candy? Oh, oh. man! I love Rick Moranis, but come on, nobody, nobody's as good. He's as He's no John Candy. <laughs> yeah, well, but if think that's about the thing, how it would shifted though. Yeah, totally different directions. You would have had the boisterous salesman kind of do to do kind of guy rather than the really intense neurotic nerdy guy. I'm yeah. trying to think of. I mean, he, John Candy played a couple of toned down roles, but yeah, it, it would have changed the whole feel. I mean, like had having Chris Farley in it. You know, right. Well, they, for those who are not familiar with John Candy, and if you're not familiar with John Candy, get out, to the wrong educate show. Educate yourself. <laughs> Go familiarize yourself. Right, right. I mean, there were a lot of changes that were made through throughout the process that really could have uh, um, taken it a different direction. Well, I which, mean, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, even if say? it had been John, Can- I mean, uh, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd, I mean, that would still. I mean, again, changing it, it would change it again. So, I would- um, even up until the the most recent film that we're going to talk about here in the second half was made, uh, Dan Aykroyd and um, Harold Ramis had worked on a three different scripts for a third part, and uh, finally got one greenlit before he passed away. And they were going to originally going to go that route, but ended up not happening. Which we'll talk more about that later. But yeah, what did happen? Boom, boom, boom. All right. Well, when we come back, we will talk about the reboot. Uh, uh, the uh, Paul Fagg and uh, Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Kate McKinnon, Leslie Jones version of Ghostbusters that just came out. And yes, we will be spoiling the hell out of the movie. Yeah. So get ready for that. All right. Talk to you in a little bit. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Everybody, and we are back with more Gersbursters. Gersbursters. So, a after the pseudo sequel, well, not pseudo sequel, the terrible sequel, Ghostbusters two, twenty seven. I wouldn't call it terrible, but well, it wasn't. I would. <laughs> Why? We'll get into that when we do the go after they make a sequel to this one. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll do the Ghostbusters sequel show. <laughs> um. So, no show, no Ghostbusters since nineteen eighty nine. Uh, Bill Murray refuses to commit to the project, and then Harold Ramis dies in 2014. Sony reboots the Ghostbusters series with the original uh, film cast and cameo roles, but we have an all-female Ghostbuster team. And everyone loses their goddamn minds. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> because Ghostbusters have to have a penis. <laughs> you can't bust no ghost with no vagina. Right, only the EPA. <laughs> Did you say vagina? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Good to clarify. Um, 
Yeah, so the the trailer came out. Everyone was flipping out because of the all female cast. What it just across the board? What was your first take when you saw the trailer? Uh, you know what? The trailer was not awesome. I, yep. I will give that to the people who are critics of the movies, even the shit stains who are still criticizing the movies despite obviously never having seen it. Yeah, the the first trailer was definitely not good. Um, it it looked very muddled and just not not funny. There was actually somebody on Reddit the day of the release of that tra- trailer who re-edited it and made it look a lot better and actually made it look like a movie you wanted to see. So mm-hmm. it was just bad editing, honestly. Yeah, I I agree with you on that because after seeing the movie, I went back and rewatched the trailer and I'm like, I don't think that's the movie that I saw. <laughs> yeah, it's almost I don't know. Like, well, I mean, I'm trying to think about other times when the trailer like totally misrepresented the movie. And another and one that came to oddly came to mind. Do you remember the movie um, Death Becomes Her? Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. The trailer for that one had whole scenes that weren't even in the movie. Yeah, that's been a problem over the years. Yeah, and I think I think that's what this was: is that the the whoever put the trailer together did not do a good job of representing what the movie was about and what the characters were about. Because you know, we'll okay, we'll get into each of the characters in a second here. But I mean, I think a lot of them. Uh, specifically for me, uh, uh, Leslie Jones was, after I saw the trailer, you know, I saw her as just screaming and yelling, hollering all the time. You I, know? Thought, I thought they would have, had, like, turned her into, I mean, an Aunt Mamie character. Right. You know? and she was nothing like that. Yeah, she wasn't. I think, I think that's what the problem was. I think initially the, the trailer focused on the wrong aspects and the wrong parts of the movie, and then shit hits the fan. So, but let's get this, Got the rundown first. So this was directed by Paul F- Paul Feig 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 Paul Feig 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 Feig. I, I thought it was Feig Feig. Imagine, imagine your your Clouseau saying Fig. Oh, okay. So he did <laughs> uh, directed unaccompanied minors. I am David. What did he else? He did Charlie's <laughs> Angels. I was like, yeah, you're going to unaccompanied minors I'm, when he's freaks and geeks. Well, I'm 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 um, going down. I'm going down then to now. So it's yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but um, no, well, he, and he, he himself is quite the character. But yeah, he acted in uh one of the things that I rem- that he was in. Do you remember eighty seven? You in three o'clock high? Do you remember that one? Vaguely, yeah. Uh, yeah. The one about the bully that was going to beat the kid up at three o'clock. Yeah. Uh he was in that. He was in that. So. Yeah. But yeah, also, he, Bad Teacher, which yeah. we just talked about. Not too long ago. Bridesmaids, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, and Ghostbusters, he also did The Heat. Uh, so he's been doing a lot with... Um, Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy, yeah. Yeah, Spy yeah a lot of, also. A lot of people hated The Heat. I liked it. Have not seen it yet. It's on my list. I don't really know a whole lot of people who have seen it. I haven't seen it. I have never seen it. I'm not a Melissa McCarthy fan, or wasn't. So, but I I think that was just to touch on what you mentioned there before you get too far into it and we get past it. But I think the the naysaying and everything went before the trailer even hit. Because when I heard about it, it wasn't so much the female aspect that threw me; it was the the people they cast. I just wasn't really a fan of any of them, so it was kind of like, well, eh, why do I want to see this? Um, and then there was a question of is it a sequel or is it a reboot? Yeah, that sure. was something they wouldn't even answer for the longest time, whether they were, you know, rebooting it or whether they were doing a sequel. They wouldn't even answer the question. Like a passing of the torch, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. 
and I think that at that time you had like three groups of people uh, who were criticizing the film. There were the straight up mouth breathing misogynists who were just like, oh, you girls. Then you had the people who had the original in such high esteem that they would accept nothing less than Harold Ramis coming back to life and making Ghostbusters 3. <laughs> well, even then they wouldn't have been happy. And uh, you had some people who were reasonable, who were like, okay, everybody's excited, but hold on a second, this might suck. And the problem is, is it became this swirling maelstrom when people from group three were lumped in with groups, group one by people who were just like, shut up, there can be no criticism. If you hate this movie, you're sexist. It's going to be awesome, and if you say otherwise, you're a chauvinist pig. See, and I were Paul Feig. See, I was Group Three because I saw, I heard about it. I'm like, okay, they're redoing Ghostbusters. They don't know if it's a sequel. They don't know if it's a reboot. They don't know, but it's all girls. I hope they don't screw it up. Saw the trailer. I'm like, mm, yeah, this could suck. This could suck. <laughs> you know, that's and that was my take on it. This could suck, but so you know what? Let's let's do the rundown on the. Yeah, on the cast. Okay, so we've got uh, produced by Ivan Reitman, which should say something right there. Yep. Because uh, he put his name on it. And Amy Bes- Amy Pascal. Mm-hmm. So uh, she produced it also. Uh, written by Kate Dippold. Who's a hottie. And the previous uh, Paul. And she Kate Dippold wrote uh, several episodes of Parks and Rec, which is one of my favorite shows. Yeah, she's got a decent decent resume. Yeah. Uh, starring Melissa McCarthy as Dr. Abby Yates, Kristen Wiig as Dr. Aaron Gilbert, uh, Wikipedia link that won't get out of the way, uh, <laughs> Kate McKinnon as Dr. Jillian Holtzman, <laughs> Leslie Jones, Patty Tolan, Chris Hemsworth as Kevin, <laughs> uh, Cecily Strong as Jennifer Lynch. Was that the, um... Was the mayor's assistant, I believe. Yeah. yeah. I thought she was for the longest time. Okay, I went to go see this, and I'm like, damn, the girl from Goonies looks awesome. <laughs> or not Goonies, uh, Gremlins. Oh. Oh, see, I knew Cecily Strong from SNL. Yeah, I didn't know I didn't know her. For this, Plus, she's she's like a comedian who's uh, Oak Park native. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Yeah. Who who did I think she was? Thought she Cecily was, Tyson? No, from Gremlins, the girlfriend, uh, Phoebe Cates. Whoa. Shut up. Yeah, she would have aged well. I know, right? Uh, anyway, Andy Garcia out of left field is Mayor Bradley. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Just kind of like, God damn. Uh, Neil Casey is Rowan North. Charles Dance is Harold Fillmore playing the character. Hells yes. Yeah. Charles motherfucking Dance. Tywin yeah. Lannister showing up mm-hmm. doing great, work. Great in everything. So and then we got Agent Hawkins and Rourke is Michael Kenneth Williams and Matt Walsh. Uh, how far are we going down on this? Ed Begley Jr. You should give oh, him yeah. shout outs. Oh, that was one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, too. Where they're like, oh, he's been dead for 15 years. And they're like, oh, no. They're like, oh, you mean this guy right here? Oh, that's his son. It's like, well, <laughs> that may have been the one I was referring to. <laughs> um, yeah, it goes all the way down to the Flasher, vo- uh, Flasher ghost on here. So, uh, But uh, original team cameos. Bill Murray as Martin Heiss. Dan Aykroyd as the cabbie. Sigourney Weaver as Rebecca Gorin. Ernie Hudson as Uncle Bill Jenkins. Coming in at the end, and Annie Potts is a hotel desk clerk. And Blinking I was, lights are for dudes. And uh, the I was uh, kind of upset that Walter Peck didn't make the cut on the cameos. 
I was looking for Isn't him. Isn't he dead? No. No. Oh, all right. No. And we I knew did. that. My that bad, Walter. Moranis wouldn't be back. Yeah, Harold, well, well, Harold Ramis was a, a bust in the very beginning of the movie. I was going to say, being dead did not preclude you being a cameo in this, because he was the first. Yeah. But that was such a weird cameo. Like, wh- why would they have a, a, a bust of that character well, who in do, that place? What are they going to do, put him in an ashtray? I mean, it, if that's the thing, is he looks like a scientist. It wasn't necessarily Spengler. It was Harold Ramis, the this other character who's a scientist who is renowned at this educational institution. I really wasn't a fan of any of the cameos, to be honest with you, so whatever. We can discuss that. We'll, we'll get to that. Hey. Uh, some oh trivia on this one. The hotel where the ghosts appear is the same hotel used in the TV series American Horror Story Hotel. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Jason Reitman, the ori- son of the original Ghostbusters director Ivan, was asked in an interview if he would consider directing the reboot. Uh, Jason joked that, based on his existing works, the version that he would make of the film would just be a bunch of people sitting around talking about ghosts. Yeah, he's yep. not the right choice. Yeah. What is what has he done? Oh, young. Oh, yeah. Juno. Yeah. No, that would be <laughs> an interest. That would be an interesting take on it, though. Uh, <laughs> uh, Bill Murray's character at one point mentions Casper, the friendly ghost. Now, the throwback is to Casper, the 1995 blockbuster. Uh, Dan Aykroyd makes a brief appearance in a very fitting cameo, repro- reprising his role as Ghostbuster Ray Stance, complete with jumpsuit and proton pack. I know this to be true because I have been, I have watched that for a bad reason. Uh, <laughs> for a bad reason? Yeah. The Masturbation. Ghost- <laughs> uh, never mind. It's a bad reason to watch say. Casper. <laughs> so, the ghost Slimer got his name in the cartoon series, The Real Ghostbusters, and his name has never been mentioned in any of the movies. Nope. The closest thing he had to a name in Ghostbusters was Disgusting Little Spud. Yep. Yeah, so... Butter. <laughs> this one... So this is following a ghost invasion of Manhattan. Paranormal enthusiasts Aaron Gilbert and Abby Yates, and nuclear engineer Julian Holtzman, and subway worker Patty Tolan band together to stop the otherworldly threat. There's really broad strokes there, but well, basically, yeah. Yeah. We're trying to... Well, we called spoilers, so whatever. So yeah. this... I walked into this... Exp- like I said, with the trailer in mind and expecting to be disappointed, I surprisingly enjoyed this movie a lot. I had a good time watching this movie. Now, it wasn't like Guardians of the Galaxy good time, but I enjoyed watching this movie. Uh, I am with you. I mean, you can't hold it up to the original and say it has to be this good or it fails. Well, then you're never. Uh, it's never going to get there. Right. That's the thing. And there was a lot of stuff that I was very impressed by how they handled it. One of the things that I can usually tell if someone who's writing a fake one star review of the movie because they haven't seen it. I could tell if they haven't seen it when they say this is a man hating girl power go social justice warrior movie. There was a big thing about the fact that there was no girls rule, boys drool. They didn't make reference to their gender being relevant in any way. They were just ghostbusters. And the fact that they were women was not made an issue of in the entirety of the film I watched. And I was very impressed with the light touch they gave to that. And I think that credit goes to Paul Feig, who 
who realized early on what he wanted and the hate came later, which incidentally they made at least two references to specific comments that haters made in the film itself, which I thought was a nice touch. I assume that those are uh, lines from Rowan because Rowan really as the main villain who's responsible for creating the ghost outbreak kind of reminds me of a lot of the guys who criticize the movie side unseen. I was thinking almost like a caricature of an internet troll. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking specifically of when the YouTube videos came out and they were reading the the one. Oh comment. yeah, oh, the, yeah. Oh, she reads. Yeah. Now yeah, they they specifically called out the haters in that one, just real briefly, real subtly, but it was a nice little dig. I appreciated that. And when we saw the initial stills from the film, when I saw that the Ghostbusters logo was a big ghost, I was like, uh-oh, that sounds like a terrible fucking idea. And then how they executed it with kind of a Gozer the Destroyer moment where Rowan's like, fine, pick what I look like. And they pick the Ghostbusters logo. It's like, fine, okay, all of my concerns about this have been dispelled. That's the way you do it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and and to to go back to what our initial thoughts, I went into this literally with no no expectation. I was like, okay, I was a naysayer at the beginning just because I don't know, I didn't like most of the cast, but uh, Juliana was extremely excited about it, and I think partially because they were all women, and it's nice to see that kind of a, a you know caricature caricature characterization. There we go on the big screen. And I say, I liked it, you know, cause ghosts. So I had them with me kind of feeding into that. And I was incredibly surprised at how much I really, really, really liked the movie. So, all right, Pat, time to shit all over what we've said. Yeah. I'm going to sit back here for a minute. <laughs> he hasn't said anything yet. So yeah. I, I got this feeling. Here it comes. <laughs> um, I, too, like Mike said, you know, had heard so many bad things about this movie and saw the trailer, you know, thought it was going to be a big Steven pile of shit walking into it. Um, it wasn't that I didn't dislike the cast because I like Kristen Wiig. I like Melissa McCarthy. Um, I don't care for Leslie Jones. A lot of her, the stuff she does on SNL just I don't find funny. And um, Kate McKinnon, actually, I, I do find her funny most of the time. Um, I've seen a couple of interviews of her, and I don't have a problem with an all-female cast. I don't you give a rip, as you know. I don't necessarily understand why they had to go all female or all male either time. I mean, what? Just mix them up. Who cares? You know, whatever. Um, so I didn't really expect it to be much, and to my surprise, I actually enjoyed it. What? All four of the all middle-aged white dudes podcast like the new Ghostbusters. Bam! Yep. (laughs) I found myself laughing much more than I expected to. and I found myself laughing a couple times harder than I expected to. There were some lines in there that were really good. A couple things fell flat here and there, but for Mm -hmm. the most part, I really enjoyed it. Yes, not everything worked. There were some awkwardness jokes that were funny until they went on a few seconds too long. Mm -hmm. There were some super cringy team photo yay kind of scenes that looked like they were shot for the trailer but didn't work where they were placed in the film. And some of Kate McKinnon's stuff, even though she was funny when she was very funny, you know, when she was when she was on, she was very on, but when she was off, it was really awkward sometimes. Huh. See, I I, I don't point. 
I don't remember an off moment that wasn't in character because I kind of got the impression that her engineer character and this is explicit by the end of the film she's never had a friend and she sort of consoles herself by acting so weird that it's like I'm weird I'm crazy I'm out there this is why I don't have any friends so she doesn't actually have to face up to the fact that she's got poor social skills no I'm not even talking about like any kind of social I mean like like, in the fight scene when she pulled out her guns and licked them, I was just like, yeah, it's a little bit what. Oh, my God. That was the greatest part of the whole movie, I though. Loved I, I loved when, it. When she went all John Woo on them and just went, oh, my God, that's my yeah, favorite Yeah, see, and that's scene. exactly it. You know, those are the types of things that we've always discussed that I don't – I hate that kind of crap. I can't wait to own it so I can watch yeah. that over and over. See, the girls love that scene. I took, I took the girls to go see it. And after that one, they were like – initially, they were like kind of like – they kind of like Gilbert – but after that scene, they're like, they're all Holtzman. <laughs> I mean, they... And it helps, I think, for me that I have known people very much like Jillian Holtzman who are just that out there and overcompensating to, like, cover up for the fact that they don't actually have that many friends. So, like, it wasn't even a caricature for me. It was like, this is a person I've met. Yeah. And and she, honestly, I some of her... Some of her reactions were so ridiculous. Like, when they're when they're giving uh, Gilbert the new the proton pack and Gilbert's like what why am I operating the untested nuclear laser you have the longest arms yeah <laughs> <laughs> what or in yeah, the very most of, her, most of her stuff was really funny yeah or in the very beginning when she's eating the pringles while all that stuff is going on you know <laughs> and they come back to her she's got the pringles stuck on her lips yeah <laughs> And I don't know if I would be so overwhelmingly positive if not for the scene at the end where she makes the toast and kind of like lays herself bare. Yeah. Like admits that she's never had friends before and doesn't know how it works, but thanks. And they're like, yeah, that's not what I was expecting. That was really good. Um, well, and then the whole thing with Patty and all the, the Patty hate that came out, especially when the trailer hit with the whole Cadillac thing or the car thing, you know, about – how she was stereotypical and all this. And then in the film, she's their historian. She's, she's the, the, the mm-hmm. one who, again, is that street level person who's not been a scientist that's been separated from the rest of the world. She's been out there and loves the city and knows all the history and could provide her own. She was a part of the, a team just as much as anybody else. Yeah. I love the fact that they made her. I mean, it, initially my fear of that character was also it was just going to be. Her screaming and yelling about ghosts and slapping the crap out of everybody, but that was that whole scene was literally fifteen seconds long, you know. And she does turn out to be like, okay, this is why this is haunted. You know, the, this is the first uh, electrocution execution was took place right above this spot, so that's why this would be haunted, of course. And her actually con- contributing and being a part of the team, like you said, I was really impressed by the fact that they actually gave her character some more depth than just screaming and yelling and then you get to melissa mccarthy who i think is at her best when she is restrained and like most of her best moments were not the -the over-the-top physical comedy making fun of herself as an overweight woman that we've come to see in some other films her best stuff was the stuff with the chinese food guy (laughs) i was just thinking (laughs) about when he brings her the tub full of wonton at the end and he's like hey he's like this I'm just looking I for just, a reasonable ratio. Yo, this is this is madness. This is no what is this is what does she say? This is chaos. This is, no, yeah, I, no, I think you're right. I think she yeah, said, I think it was madness. This yeah. is madness. Yeah, this is not wonton soup. This is madness. Okay. See, 
and that's just it. When I went into this, I like I said earlier, I, I was not a particular fan of any of the people. I don't really watch Saturday Night Live. haven't watched it other than for the show in the past decade. And I walked away legitimately saying I, I understand the appeal of all of them. I'm, I'm a mild fan of each and every one of them now. Yeah, Kristen yeah. Wiig, I mean, obviously we're going to get to her last because she had the task of having to play straight man, straight woman to the rest of the cast. And most of her comedy bits were her being awkward, like her awkwardly hitting on Kevin, her awkwardly dancing. <laughs> but it was hilarious. Which, yeah. when she we should talk about her, Kevin. We should oh, talk about. We Kevin. need to talk about Kevin because honestly, the biggest laugh from me was when it is. Is would it be okay if I bring my cat to work sometimes? Now, I was. Just, I was hoping <laughs> you were going to say that one. Mike, no, it's actually my dog. His name is Mike Hat. Well, Michael Hat. Your dog's name is my cat. It's like Michael Hat. Well, I can't say I'm allergic to dogs. Oh, it's okay. He lives with my mom. <laughs> and I honestly thought they were going to keep going with the joke, and he, you know, they, they were going to find out like my mom was the name of his like Korean uncle or something. Like, and his logos, he starts with the ghost with the huge breasts, then just a 7-Eleven logo, then a clip art of a house with a hot dog on top of it. Because the ghost is holding the hot dog. Oh, oh my was, God. Well, and that's... Yeah. yeah. I, it, it, well, and initially people were like, okay, he's going to be the token male figure, but... You know, he wasn't your normal brand of stupid. He was not dirder, kind of dumb. He was just, he was just a complete moron. When he reaches up to scratch his eye and he's got no lens in the glass. <laughs> I mean, well, I kept getting dirty. I took him out. I can, now look what I can do. See? It's like, but yeah, no. Thor's got some comic chops. Oh, and I think that's part of the reason is that in he, it's so often we were like, you hear who's in it and you're like, oh my God, Thor? Really? And then he comes in and he plays pretty much the other side of the coin from his character instead of you know and he it's it's so out of place for him that it it was funny it was great to see him being able to uh, it's good to know that he can do more than thor that's what i'm getting at yeah so right i mean because we've we've seen him in other serious roles and here he is just completely opposite in the spectrum <laughs> or the other i'm sorry the other huge kevin laugh that i had was one at the very end where he's eating the sandwich and she and she throws it away and he's like little help and someone just out of nowhere throws a sandwich right back yeah. to because <laughs> that was the other thing is he was the beefcake he was just the pretty thing that they kept around the office but they took that and they turned it up so far that it was absurd and in itself it was a joke mm -hmm. he's the guy that's so pretty that she could throw his sandwich away and he could just like smile and someone immediately throws it back to him <laughs> yeah I, I mean everybody was cast perfectly <laughs> and the script was very well written the direction was there and it just it really did all come together for me so, in a in a really good way, I, you know. I walked. An aquarium what? is a submarine for fish. <laughs> Answer the phone. I can't. It's, it's in, in this the thing. aquarium. <laughs> no, the other phone. When, uh, when she starts like shouting at him, he just hangs up the phone. <laughs> Not like that. <laughs> and how he keeps covering his eyes when there's something too loud. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Or the the bit with coffee, like he forgets he <laughs> oh, hates God. coffee, <laughs> and and see, then that leads right into uh, not Abby, uh, the straight straight girl, um, Aaron, Aaron, with her with her taking the coffee. Well, we we shouldn't we shouldn't waste that, and to, <laughs> to, like, 
But no, I mean, I I laughed more than I was expecting to when I went this, and I think out of the four of them, I asked, I am all all Holtzman on this one. Oh yeah, it's difficult to choose anybody else. Yeah. Well, we just gave a ghost a nuclear bomb, so we should probably run. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's there's something that I I know some people that had seen it complained about was the fact that Slimer had a girlfriend, but. That whole bit with him driving around an Ecto one was was hilarious to me. I found it really funny. Um, and then the nod to the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, can we just call out how great the ghost like concept designs were from the uh, huge like almost big top guy that summoned the hordes of pilgrim ghosts to mm-hmm. the balloons. To the uh, formerly executed uh, electric chair ghost, like they're all spectacular. Yeah, all the ghosts look really good, and I was like, that was one of the other worries that I had. I was like, oh, how CGI are they going to go with these? And they really did a good job of making the ghosts look look like ghosts. I mean, for as much as they look like, uh, but it's I enjoyed them. I mean, the the I think the balloons freaked me out the most. So those are if I I think if I was a kid, if I was my brother watching this. <laughs> alone not, not back then right now uh oh. it probably would have freaked me out <laughs> well and here's the thing is that it, technically in a lot of ways it was a retelling of the first film in, in in a lot of ways not not beat for beat not shot for shot not script wise but the story was kind of similar but it stood still stood on its own as its own separate entity and for me watching it with my kids i know that they're going to look back on it fondly and i know that they julie and especially really really loved it but yet we came home that day and we watched the original and they were just as enthralled with it and loved it just as much. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's one or the other. You can love both. Now, I asked the girls, we've, we watch, have watched Ghostbusters more than enough in this house. And I asked them, like, given the choice between the two, you can only have one. Which one are you going to take? And they both went with the original. Interesting. Yeah. So, but no. Well, and- and I think I would go so far as to say I enjoyed the reboot more than I enjoyed Ghostbusters 2. I can agree with that. Because Ghostbusters 2 was really confusing. And I did not know that you can control the Statue of Liberty with a Nintendo controller. Yeah, that was a, that ending was really bad. Yeah, and it just didn't add a whole lot. Like, the stuff with Vigo the Carpathian was pretty sweet, but you just get to – you look at what they did in the cartoons and the comic books, and they, like, expanded on the mythology and uh, provided additional depth to the characters. And then you look at the official sequel, and they did none of that, proving that the people actually making the movies, like, didn't know what the fans wanted out of a Ghostbusters franchise. And I think that we kind of have – I hope we have an opportunity to do it right this time, but I, I'm afraid because, like, I look at the IMDb score, and though critics generally liked it but didn't love it, we're talking like 60, 70 percent. Mm-hmm. You look at IMDb where you've got all these people who can vote on it who haven't even seen it, and it's 5.4 out of 10. I mean, does this mean the studio's not ever going to take a chance on a sequel? It might. Well, the Wednesday before it came out, I went to IMDb. Um, to do a little research on it before I went, see who was in it and whatnot. And I looked at all the reviews and there was all these one star reviews so heavily weighted it that I think it, it would take a lot for it to be overturned because of all the stupidity that was going on ahead of time. 
Um, so I think in time it'll, it'll grow and I, I have no doubt there'll be a sequel. Oh, well, I mean, especially from the last line, there has to be a sequel now. Well, yeah. It, it, I it, sure it, hope so. Yeah. Stay through the whole credits, people. <laughs> yeah. All the way. I think they will do a sequel. Hmm. Oh, yeah. One of the most confusing lines for me, don't ever compare me to the mayor of Jaws. Never. <laughs> I was just like, I, what? Yeah, that was funny to me, though. Yeah, no, it was hilarious to me, too, because it was so... Because the mayor of Jaws is just so inept and everything, and it's like, it's just this funny idea that, like, all mayors don't, like, secretly don't want to be compared to him. Right, and mm-hmm. he cares more about not being compared to the mayor from the movie Jaws than he does about actually letting the people under his care die to ghosts. Mm-hmm. Right, it's all about image. And he he did a great job, too. I mean, yeah, that was a surprise out of nowhere. Yeah. Seems like so, there's something the, else the to rare touch eight, on. The rare eight thumbs up. I know, right? <laughs> eight thumbs up. Well, I, yeah, and I know that there was some resistance to covering this, partially because of all the controversy and partially because uh, we've already talked about Ghostbusters, the original, twice. And I didn't um, want to go see this. I'll admit it. So I'm really glad we had the opportunity to get this show pushed through mm-hmm. so so we all got a chance to see it and like give it a legit shot yeah and i can honestly say i'm glad i saw that theater i think it would have been good on and in home and in my home but there was something about seeing it on the big screen like that that just kind of took me back to being 10 years old again when the original came out you know just something else about this yeah. one there are uh on the soundtrack there are so many covers to the original theme uh of course, immediately afterwards, uh, they've got the Ray Parker Jr. one on the soundtrack, and there's like a uh, Pentatonix Ghostbusters cover on this. Which, by the way, that original song is not that good. It's no, just, it is. I mean, it's a terrible song. I mean, it's yeah. You know, it, it lyrically it stinks. I mean, he, musically it's very repetitive and boring. The backup singers were a bunch of people that just happened to be at his house at the time. So <laughs> <laughs> this was just an accidental ending to a three-day coke binge <laughs> wait a wow. second did i make a song again god <laughs> damn it we better make a movie about this <laughs> poor ray parker jr <laughs> well he worked he actually came out all right on this one because he was working with missy elliott elliott on a on a re- remake of the song on this one so i mean that can't be too bad for a guy who's got like one song to his name Okay, so the reason I said I didn't like any of the cameos is because they all just felt really forced and and the the just shoehorned. Bad. The only one that that didn't feel forced was Ernie Hudson as the uncle. Like the cab driver, Dan Aykroyd as the cab driver, his whole dialogue was just bad. Yeah, especially when he ends it with you know I ain't afraid of no ghosts. You know I'm like oh Jesus. I mean there was like the whole Cowabunga thing in the in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. See, I don't know. I think that was part of what I liked about it is they're like, we're not going to sneak these cameos in. They're going to be blatant. They're going to be over the top. Hell, Bill Murray, for years, uh, he stonewalled a new Ghostbusters movie by insisting that his character die in it. Right. And he gets into this movie and his character fucking dies. Yep. I did know that. And he, he wanted Venkman to die. Yeah. And it was pretty friggin' hilarious, too. <laughs> And Annie Potts even got the opportunity to deliver "What Do You Want" with the same. That's oh, that same uh, phone tone of hers. Yeah, 
Yeah, and even uh but then so did uh Kevin. Yeah. Yeah, they taught said Ghostbusters, what do you want? So and you know, I, I think yeah, they were shoehorned in and the one with Ackroyd was pretty painful. But it's still it's good to see that they're they're tipping the hat. Right. It's like the original cast is like, you know, this was ours and here's our blessing. Right. Exactly. And Dan Aykroyd's gone on and there was a a pretty big interview that was going around Facebook for a while where he was totally just like taking the piss out of all the people that were hating on it. So, I mean, if you figured you've got the original people backing it, there's got to be something worthwhile even before we went in to see it. And Feig knew that. So... Thumbs up, thumbs down. Are we, like Pat said, the rare eight thumbs up? Uh, absolutely, as far as I'm concerned. You got two from me. Right on. Maybe Joel. three for with for Kate McKinnon. I was going to say, Kate McKinnon gets three <laughs> thumbs up. <laughs> if you haven't seen her uh, Justin Bieber impression she does for Saturday Night Live, I highly recommend it. She's playing for the other team, though, so. Yep. All the better. Oh. <laughs> All right. So, Josh, what do we got on hand for next week? So, we are uh, getting away from controversial movies about social justice and talking about hair. Sp- oh, wait, no, we're talking about hairspray. <laughs> uh, we're going to be uh, taking a look at the uh, classic Ricky Lake uh, take on the Broadway musical and the new version st- uh, starring John Travolta in the role popularized by Divine Brown. Yeah. So, yeah, you want to talk about controversy, John Waters and Divine. There you go. Yeah. Ain't nothing weird going on there. All right. So uh, also, if you're looking for any of our older shows, remember you can find us on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe. And if you're looking to leave us a phone call, 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Also, you can email us at 40go14 at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter at 40go14. Yes. Who are you going to call? 40 go 14. <laughs> Sorry. What? If I give you a dollar, <laughs> will you promise never to do that again? That's played the piano. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Sounds like you got an extra life. <laughs> I did. Joel! Joel is here. Hello, Patrick. It Hello, is Joel. Yes, he is Joel. Joel, yes. Oh, it is Joel. And Joel, he is here. We love you, Canyon. Oh, yes, we do. I got him. Uh... My name sounded weird when you said it over and over again. <laughs> <Joel>. <laughs> Joel, Joel. You, ever um, you say a word so many Joel. times over and over again, it starts to sound weird. Bubble. Little. 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 What the fuck is wrong with us? This is going to be the tape they play, you know, at our trial in about another two years. You can see the progressive decline starting with this tape. A little. A little. <laughs> A little. <laughs>